All right. Hey, it's good to be here with you guys. This is, uh, I love that we do this and, and re-engage. Thank you. There we go. Stop. Thank you. There we go. All right, just to take a night. Tonight's going to be a little bit lighter and we hope more fun, really, really practical. Uh, you guys, um, just different ways to encourage you in your marriage and your relationship. And so we're going to talk about how to intentionally pursue one another to not give up after saying I do. And so you want to tell them a little bit about our family while I fix my mic? Yes, please fix your mic. Um, So we have been married 18 and a half, do we say? Right? (laughs) 2001. (laughs) We got married the week of 9-11. How about that? Um, And we have added four boys to our family. Um, We have twins that are 15. They're kind of the taller two there. Now the one on the left is actually taller than the one in the middle now, but, um, and then a seventh grader and a fifth grader. And so it is loud, smelly, lots of basketballs and footballs being thrown around our house. Um, but it's that before tons. the kids or after the kids, it was loud <laughs> yeah. and smelly. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. We just continued to add to the level of loud and smelly. Um, Scott and I met, um, he was my student, which it's not as scandalous as it sounds, but um, I, I'm a physical therapist and I was working at a hospital in Atlanta and Scott was going to PT school and was assigned to me for an eight-week rotation. Um, we did not date then, right? She threatened to fail me if I didn't date her and it was a big mess administratively. And, um... No, really. Um, Scott, I passed Scott, but not because we dated. I just, he did a great job. And then um, he came back to work there and um, we dated very unhealthily the first time around. Um, we were both... I I was a mess. I'd been dating somebody else and a lot of codependency and things going on there. And I kind of dragged Scott through the muck. um, And he was a little codependent on me. And so it was, it was just very unhealthy. We had just both become believers um, not long before that. And so really just didn't have a good picture of what it looked like to pursue one another as followers of Christ. So we broke it off. um, And then about six, nine months later, we got back together, um, and things had radically changed, mostly because we both had gotten serious about pursuing Christ first and just understanding what that looked like, um, and it just changed everything for us. Yeah, we moved here in the summer of 2002 as newlyweds started coming to Watermark. Our plan was to move to Dallas for four years for me to go to seminary, and that we were going to get out of Texas as quickly as possible, go back to Atlanta that didn't work out really well. And so we have been here for about 18 years. We love it. Uh, been on staff here for the last 14 doing marriage ministry. And we get to do a bunch together, which we really enjoy. Uh, you should have gotten a handout when you got here on your seat. Fill in the blank if you like those. Uh, just to keep you tracking with us tonight, we're going to talk about how you can intentionally pursue one another. And the first time we did this in here, Susan and Ryan and I were talking, and Susan told us this great story about her first date with Rawl. And so I'm going to tell you their story. She said, literally, she spent four to six hours getting ready for their first date, having the right clothes, the makeup, the hair's got to be right, everything needs to be right. And that wasn't just Rawl, but for Susan as well, they both needed to have the, the right look. And they were creative and spontaneous. They wanted to uh, have a lot of fun. And then as she shared that, she shared also what, what we've gone through, that you put so much time in initially and you want to impress the other person. And then you get married and you get really boring and stuck in a routine. 
And boredom is one of the things that will tank a marriage as quickly as anything else. And so we're going to talk through tonight just how to get out of that rut so that we can pursue one another almost in a similar way to before we said I do. Because when you guys dated, you cared about impressing one another. You know, you may not, like a lot of, I work with a lot of pre-marrieds now. They don't eat carbohydrates. I mean, they work out every day and they're like really concerned about things like that. And then you get married and you, you look like I do. And so we want to help you think rightly about how to continue to pursue one another. I remember years ago reading this book called Date Your Wife. And the guy, uh, the author's name is Justin Buzzard. He says, you find a girl you like, you get her to like you back, you impress her, she becomes your girlfriend, you get married, you move in together as a couple, you relax, you share a home, bills, conflicts, kids, and stress, and you don't go anywhere. You're just stuck at home in a rut. He also goes on to say the most rebellious, countercultural thing you can do in our culture is to be happily married until death do you part. And so we want to spend some time reminding you that marriage is is to be enjoyed. It's not a choice in life of either enjoying your life or getting married. We think you can actually do both of those at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. And uh, Solomon in Ecclesiastes 9.9 says, Enjoy life with the wife whom you love. And there's not a lot in the Bible about how to date one another, how to pursue one another, how to have a healthy marriage. But I love this idea that we need, to, we need the reminder to enjoy life with our wife. And the rest of the ver- verse is kind of funny. He says, all the days of your vain, pitiful, miserable existence that he's given you on this earth, you might as well enjoy life with your wife. And so the reminder tonight that you don't have to choose to either have life or to be married, that you can actually have both of those things. And we know for many of you in this room, the thought of having fun together uh, may seem like a really distant dream that will never happen for you. And so tonight we want to just give you some hope and remind you of uh, maybe what you did in the beginning and what God desires for you. He doesn't want us to just be miserable together. He wants you to enjoy life married together as a couple. So in order to keep your marriage a priority, you must be intentional. So that would be the next blank there. Um, that, we're going to define that as being an, defined as acting in a way that is selfless and marked with purpose. So your actions are both planned. They can still be somewhat spontaneous, but they're chosen with a purpose and an intent. So we all have good intentions. Um, there are a bunch of seriously dating and engaged couples over and merge, and they have great intentions. You all have good intentions, but it, it's a lot more than just in our ten, intentions. It's what we do with those. And so tonight we want to give you um, just kind of some rails to run on and some patterns that you might be able to kind of readjust and give you some direction um, just so you can be intentional. And so what does it mean to be intentional? We're going to talk about three aspects of intentionality in your marriage. The first one is to honor one another. This is right out of Hebrews 13, 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. So we are to esteem marriage and each other as highly valuable. Uh, marriage is partly designed to sanctify us, to, for us to help make each other more holy and more Christ-like, but it is not our only job to kind of beat each other down and suck the life out of each other as we make each other more holy. Um, but we are to raise the value of marriage and our, the value of our spouse. There is nobody else that can truly do this for, you, for your spouse. Then the next one is to prioritize your relationship. 
This is Genesis 2.24. A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they become one flesh. So we have to prioritize our marriage over a lot of really, really good things. Our kids, our jobs, um, our family, our friends, our in-laws, all of those things have to become really third. So your relationship with Christ first and then your relationship with your spouse has got to be the next thing. And everything in life works to pull us apart from our spouse and to distract us. And so you really have to be intentional in that way. And then the third is to purposefully pursue one another. And this is really Philippians 2, 3, and 4, doing nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility counting others more significant than ourselves. And so we just have to um, intentionally and purposefully pursue each other. All right, so in order to intentionally pursue one another, you must get rid of the foxes. And so this is Song of Solomon 2.15. Like I've got braces as an adult, and to say the word fox sometimes sounds like a different F word, and I want to be really clear what I'm saying. It's F-O-X-E-S, fox. And so Song of Solomon 2.15 says, catch the foxes. For us, the little, I'm just going to say the little furry things that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. And so the idea here in in Song of Solomon is Solomon is saying that there are these little critters that run around that actually look cute and harmless. Okay, we live a couple miles up the road in uh, Richardson and we see a fox will run through our neighborhood at times and I frequently want to capture one and bring it home as a pet because it looks really cute and just something different and unique. And not that four boys aren't enough. We need, apparently need, we, I don't know if it's a rodent or what a fox is, but apparently I want one in our house. They look harmless, but they really do cause harm. And so when Solomon is talking about this in this passage, He's looking out, he's talking to someone with a vineyard. In the vineyard, you've got a crop that produces fruit, it produces uh, uh, grapes, and the fox will go through the vineyard and he'll actually kind of nip at the, at the root. He'll nip at the, the, the vine that's producing the, the product that they need to live on. And so the farmer is building his livelihood off the, the result of this crop. And these foxes come in and they destroy the integrity of what's being grown. And so what he is saying here is we've got to catch these things that look harmless in order so that they don't cause destruction. And so the idea here, and this is Song of Solomon, is is this incredible story. It's this story of a relationship between a man and a woman. And he's uh, he's telling us that we need to catch these things that look harmless, that will actually cause destruction in our marriage. And so we're going to go through a few of them very, very quickly and then camp out on one of them we think will be really, really helpful. So the first one, as we think of foxes we must catch, is social media and technology. So we're available 24 hours a day. We've got these devices we carry around with us. There's a lot of good that comes with them. I'd encourage you to listen to my friend Rick Smith. He's done a great talk in here and re-engage on how to not let technology ruin your marriage. And so you can just Google that. Rick Smith, he's got an easy name, and it is an incredible talk. And so technology is really helpful, but it becomes a fox that will destroy us. And we brought a couple pictures. You've got, you know, the husband and wife in bed, and, you know, the husband, of course, he's probably praying is what's happening in that picture. (laughs) And and his wife is busy catching up on text or social media. We've got one of the, the father and the son at the breakfast table with a great opportunity to engage with one another, but he's 
checking Instagram, it looks like, who knows, but we miss out on relationship because of this thing that's not inherently evil that causes us to, to not be all that God intends for us to be. Second is just schedule and busyness. We are all way too busy and overscheduled. And one of the first uh, things that gets crowded out is our relationship with our spouse. Third is boredom. I mentioned that a few minutes ago. They've done studies on couples who walk through infidelity. And one of the most common characteristics of couples who are unfaithful is that there's boredom in their marriage. And so whether they're newlyweds or empty nesters, kids, no kids, kind of everything in between old and young, boredom shows up uh, as one of the top factors that will tank a relationship. And then the fourth one we have is just others, hobbies. So whether that's work, kids, and kids, <laughs> we can't get rid of it. It's not like catch the kids and get rid of them. That's not what he's saying. But don't let kids distract you from having a great marriage. You cannot prioritize your children over your spouse. And so who are the people and what are the things in our life that prevent us from pursuing one another in the way that we desire and God intends for us to do in marriage. So the last one that we're going to spend a little more time on is just complacency or a lack of pursuit. And so really this is kind of when we all quit dating one another and quit intentionally spending time together. So why do we date? Um, we date to be countercultural. It's kind of like the quote, the Justin Buzzard quote, but it's also Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the power of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so we date so that we have solid relationships and so that as followers of Christ, we can look different than the world. And, and not to be arrogant or prideful about it, but just to be like, hey, we, we have prioritized this and we, we love this because we put time and effort into it and because Christ is the center of it. And so that's how we show honor and enjoy and prioritize our marriage. That's part of what we do is to date. So how do we date? which kind of sounds funny, right? Especially as married people, you probably dated at one point in order to get here. Um, but you probably also know that it doesn't happen spontaneously a lot after you're married and especially after you've got kids. So you must plan it usually. And that might mean blocking your schedule, calendaring out your week or your month and saying, hey, we're going to do this night and this night or this lunch. Um, and then asking each other question, what does it mean to go on a date? So when we had um, little kids, if Scott had said, let's go to Chick-fil-A for a date, I would not have thought that was a date. I would have been like, great, we're not cooking dinner, but that's not a date. Um, before that, we probably could have done Chick-fil-A on a date. Um, so just coming to an agreement on what equals a date. There are folks that have done surveys of married couples, and strangely enough, you know, the same people married to each other take the survey and guys have been on a lot more dates than women. So again, like you really do need to have that conversation. Like what is a date? Can you stay home and have a date? Some people love to do that and it works well, especially depending on your life stage. Um, be creative. Can I ask, I'm going to ask this one, a little crowd participation here. So, uh, here, I want you to lock in your answer is going to Starbucks a date. Yes or no. Okay. So raise your hand. If you think going to Starbucks is a date, Okay. Uh, how about a no? Put it up. Put your hand up. Okay. So that's probably about 50, 50. Um, yeah. The, 25, all right. 25, 75. <laughs> why? Okay. If you said no, if you said Starbucks is not a date, why would you say that? Probably everybody works there now. Somebody raise your hand. If you, if you feel strongly that Starbucks is not a date. Oh, don't, don't say that. <laughs> That's fine. But then, what's your favorite coffee shop, Brett? Home. Home. You're not playing along well here. 
Somebody so who's not trying to mess with the speaker. For Brett. <laughs> All right, so who, who goes to Starbucks and says it's not a date? Raise your hand. Yeah, right here. Why is that not a date? Yeah, it's not special. Okay, well, how about somebody who goes to Starbucks and would call it a date? Why? The kids aren't there. I didn't preach. Okay, so you can go, what I hear you say, you can go to the grocery store and it can be a date. As long as, as, long kids as the aren't kids there. are not there. And you love your children. That's not what I hear you saying. You don't love them. Right, so there's a difference. Right? And, and some of you, probably the husband is like, yes, it's a date. And the wife is like, no, it's a date. You've got to communicate and figure out if it is or not. And then why or why not? Chick-fil-A brings back memories of little kids running around. That's not helpful to Kristen. But man, it's cheap and there's no kids there. And so it could be a day. Or at least our kids aren't there if we go. All right, keep going. I interrupted. Uh, no, tell me about college football. That's a date. Oh, right? yes. So some of you, everybody's like, hey, man. Um, so especially when our kids were younger and didn't care a whole lot about college football. Now they, they dictate what we watch, which games we watch. But long ago, we would put our kids down on a Saturday night at like three in the afternoon. This is when they were really little and like didn't know time of day. But we'd put them down early. Like we would feed them and put them to bed and then we would get takeout and we would just sit on the couch and enjoy being with each other watching college football because I love college football. And so that counted as a date back then. Now our children are present. So it's not a date any longer. I think they judged us for the 3 p.m. Try it. Change the clocks. It's okay to... Yeah. All right, so hey, like a few things practically that we've done that I think are really fun. This is really good when we were, um, when our kids were young, and I learned this idea, a different form of it. But we just take a water bottle and dried it out and then cut up a bunch of little slips of paper and put them in here. And so we wrote down a bunch of little ideas. Um, you know, I, I don't know what they, a lot of them say, but like go to, go to Target and buy a new board game, uh, watch Kristen's three favorite episodes of Friends, uh, bake cookies, things like that. There was one in here at one time that said, make out for five minutes and do nothing else. And that was a st- stupid idea. So we don't do that one. Um, but you take that bottle, you shake it, you pull one out and that's your date. And so it's a little bit spontaneous, a little bit fun. Another one I did, and y'all, this, I'm not like Mr. Creative. And so this is, I'm just trying to think of fun ways to, to go on dates. And so took five envelopes and one of them's missing. I don't, we must've done that one and um, labeled them one through five and then put a note card in there and planned out a date. And one of them was in, you know, Bishop Arts and one of them was in Addison. And, and when it was my turn to plan date night, I'd say, okay, Kristen, I've got numbers you know, five, four, one, and two left. Which one do you want? She says number two. I go to number two, open the envelope, and I'd pull the, we'd get in the car and we'd open up the, we'd have a sitter. We don't just lock the kids in the bedroom at three, but we'd, we'd get a sitter and we'd get in the car and we open it up and we'd go where the date night tells us to do. And so, you know, this one is in Uptown, go to Central Market um, and get an appetizer. It says uh, dinner, go to this restaurant called Smoke, great barbecue, good food. Uh, dessert, I can't read what it says on there. And so that's uh, not appropriate for... <laughs> All right, so <laughs> figure out uh, <laughs> a couple things. It's a yogurt. Yeah, so we'll just leave it at that. All right, so, um, so plan out different date nights that you would go on and it allowed, it allowed for a little... <laughs> A little spontaneity and also... So I just spit on you. That's, that has nothing to do with the date night. Excited to try out. We're going to go on number two later on this week. Uh-huh. Um, and so um, just planning out something different, something fun. Um, are, are we giving out the date night? Uh, God, the, the, the wild date night? Great. So you've got, I think we've got one. Where are they? In the back? 
They've got them. Yeah, there's a, okay, you've got them. A wild date night. That's something we wrote together as a team years ago. Just to show you some fun, new, different, creative ways to go on dates. And, you know, and so not getting uh, stuck in the rut. I'm getting, I won't, I won't get there. But like, we do the same thing over and over again. And so doing something different instead of doing the same thing over and over and over. So a few things just to put guidelines to that. Choose active rather than passive. Um, Try new things that you've never done before. Great idea is Groupons. I mean, you can axe throw, glass blow, you know, you name it. Things that you probably wouldn't want to spend the full amount on, but you're like, oh, this would be something new and different to do. Just like shared new experiences just create conversation and um, memories that it can just kind of run longer when you do something like that. Yeah, we've talked about this one before, of going on a date around each other's initials. So uh, Kristen's initials are KLK, Kristen Lichterman Kadersha. And so K, the example I always use, we go to Krispy Kreme, we get a donut at Krispy Kreme, we go to White Rock Lake and we walk around the lake and because we just exercise at White Rock Lake, we go back to Krispy Kreme and get another donut. And so um, we might choose the color blue and so we'd go... Um, we're going to get a uh, blue goose and get an appetizer. We're going to go watch the Mavericks play basketball. They wear the color blue, one of their colors. We'll go to Blue, uh, blue Mesa, get some of their sweet potato chips, go drive a, you know, a blue Tesla that we know we're not going to buy, something like that, all around a, a theme. And just to be creative and do something outside of the box. And then how often? So daily, you ought to have a time that is yeah. just the two of you that you can connect and just kind of catch up on what's going on um, without social media. For some of you, the dinner table is great. For us, if we're all actually at the dinner table, there's usually four children that interrupt. And so that's not perfect for us. So we'll do it late in the evenings, kind of as we go to bed or sometimes first thing when Scott walks through the door. And then weekly, sometimes spent just the two of you, preferably outside of your home. But again, this, this has to work with what your situation is. So time that you um, probably have to plan and schedule and possibly budget for, but time that is not talking about finances or kids or stress, just together enjoying one another. Um, this can be lunch. Like our kids are all in school, and so we will calendar at least one lunch a month so that we know we can get um, some time together. Tomorrow. And tomorrow, that's We're right. We're not getting We're caught up in the Valentine's Day crazy. We're going on February 13th. That's right. Because I'm cheap and non-romantic. And so we get a day <laughs> night tomorrow during lunch. Yeah. Yeah. And then annually, if you can get away, um, like an overnight at least. Again, these are things you'd have to plan ahead, budget. Um, it used to be Priceline. I, I think there's Airbnb and VRBO, all kinds of things now that um, kind of fit in that category. And then just celebrate each other, big things, small things, um, you know, promotions, even a good day at work where things have been really hard or whatever it might look like for you. Um, and then just don't save conflict for your date. Like a lot separate time for that so that you can just go and enjoy being with one another. Yeah, another one we do that we, we don't even have in our notes here, but we go on date days now where the kids are all in school and drop them all off at you know 8.30 or so or in the morning. And then we get until three o'clock. I'll use, it's a, my favorite way to use a vacation day. And so we just get to do some different things. We get more time together. We don't have to worry about a babysitter. The public, public school does that for our four kids, not babysitting them, but they've got them for the day. And so that's a great suggestion that we have benefited from uh, greatly over the years. And so last thing I would just say on here is, you know, these, the marriage you want doesn't happen by itself. We never drift towards greatness. We've got to be intentional in how we get there. And so that's a lot of what we've talked about tonight. 
And so, tomorrow, you know, two days from now is Valentine's Day and did a little bit of research. It's, it's fun. We do, we've done this talk maybe three years in a row this week. And so we've actually tracked these numbers. And so three years ago, uh, 2018, Americans spent $19.6 billion on Valentine's Day. Last year was $20.4 billion, uh, $20.7 billion. This year, 2020, it's projected that we will spend $27.4 billion, billion dollars on Valentine's Day. Okay, so that's $6.7 billion more than last year. And let me, let me break that down for you. $2.4 billion on candy, $1.3 billion on greeting cards, $4.3 billion on evening out, $2.3 on flowers, $5.8 on jewelry. Those are the top five. Okay, and as I look at that list, those are all good things. Candy, love candy, greeting cards, write good notes, date nights, flowers, okay, jewelry, all good. But those things, are, they're, they're not lasting. Right, candy we eat and it's gone. Flowers are going to die. Day nights are amazing, but, but they don't last forever. And so, you know, they say diamonds last for, that's a bad, you know, jewelry lasts a little bit longer, but, but come on, you're not taking it with you, right? It doesn't necessarily help your marriage grow. And so, you know, in that, we are so good at spending a ton of money on a date on the calendar. But instead, what would it, what would it look like for us to be people who invested in our marriage you know, I'm not saying you got to go on a date every day, but what does it look like for you to pursue each other 365 days of the year? What does it look like for you to, to not make Valentine's Day this big day on the calendar? And don't, you know, whether you like it or not, this is not a commentary on Hallmark. I don't care who created it or where it comes from. Have a great Valentine's Day, but man, that better not be like the sole day where you pursue one another and you do something special for your spouse. Okay, when I first started this job, uh, you know, 14 years ago, I, I read this quote by Martin Luther, and I love it. I think it's Martin Luther who said it. He typically gets credit. It says, let the wife make the husband glad to come home and let him make her sorry to see him leave. And I heard that, and I go, that, that's what I want, right? I don't want Kristen to have to find fun in another human being, find fun in another guy. I don't want someone else to have to affirm her other than what the Lord says about her, I want to be the one that, that just reminds her who she is. I want her to know that she's loved by me. Same thing that, that I know she feels that way about me. And I want her to be sad when I leave in the morning and she wants me to be really, really happy to come home. And that's, that's what we're fighting for is that kind of marriage. That is a counter-cultural marriage. That's different than what we see around us. That might be different from where you are right now. And our hope and we desire for you to have the kind of marriage that I know we all want, where we are excited to see one another, where we enjoy life being married as a husband and wife. And so we are gonna pray for you. We would love for you to do whatever that one thing is that you need to do to pursue each other, uh, to enjoy marriage, to not be a burden, but to be a blessing to each other, that you may say to one another, you may be sad when you leave each other in the morning and be excited to see each other when you get home. So God, thank you for reengaged. Thank you for these couples and their desire to become more and more like you, to honor you in the way that they pursue one another. And God, I pray that our marriages would be absolutely countercultural, that we wouldn't look like the rest of the world, we wouldn't look like uh, the statistics that we all don't wanna be like, but rather that we would be couples who love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and who love our spouse in that same way. 
So God, help us to be creative, to be intentional, to pursue each other, to put the needs of our spouse before our own. May we not rest in a, in a date on the calendar like Valentine's Day, but God, help us to have marriages where we pursue one another 365 days of the year. Thank you for the way that you pursue us, evidenced by your son, Jesus, that you pursued us in a way that shows your love, your care, your sacrificial love for us and help us to love each other in that same way. In your name we pray. Amen. Good job. Thank you.